From Southern California, this is Outlook in Review, a summary of world headlines, technology and business news, arts and entertainment features, and instructive encouragement from the Praiselite Media Studios, Thousand Oaks, California. Good day, it's Wednesday, the 29th of May, 2019. At least one person was killed and over 130 injured in the suburbs of Dayton, Ohio on Monday evening as a tornado ripped through the region, carving a particularly long path through the urban areas north and west of the city and causing incredible untold devastation to numerous houses and businesses. This after late last Wednesday when another tornado tore through the U.S. state of Missouri's capital, Jefferson. City causing extensive damage under the cover of darkness on a day in which severe weather statewide was already blamed for three deaths and dozens of people left trapped inside their homes. This according to a report by the Fox News Service, which stated that storms and torrential rains have recently ravaged the Midwest from Texas through Oklahoma, Kansas, Nebraska, Iowa, Missouri, and Illinois. Authorities urged residents of several small towns in Oklahoma, Kansas, and Arkansas to leave their homes as rivers and streams rose. In particular, the Arkansas River Valley in eastern Oklahoma and around the city of Fort Smith, Arkansas, where major flooding has already damaged countless homes and businesses and submerged large portions of both rural and more urban areas. With the Arkansas River expected to crest at some point today at least 20 feet above flood stage, Fort Smith Local News KFSM-TV5 reports that several roads have been closed in the area and even Interstate 40 was closed in the region for a short time. With historical records being broken for the region as far as flooding, local station 4029-TV reports that the Sequoia County, Oklahoma Sheriff's Department has allowed residents free sandbags to protect their homes from floodwaters. Last week, two fully loaded fertilizer barges broke free near Fort Smith and floated downriver where they crashed into a dam at Weber's Falls, Oklahoma, raising fears of a breach that would devastate the towns below. Motor company Fiat Chrysler has proposed a 32.6 billion euro merger with Francis Renault that would create the world's third largest car maker and save billions needed to invest in the race to make electric and autonomous vehicles. This according to a report on Monday by The Guardian, if the deal goes through, Fiat Chrysler, which manufactures brands such as Jeep, Dodge, Alfa Romeo, as well as others, would stabilize itself in a market where Jeeps and Dodge pickups are in lower demand than in the past, primarily due to steadily rising fuel prices. In accordance with this movement, US drivers might just start seeing Renault models on the roads, perhaps rebadged as Dodge, Chrysler, or another known US name. The joint company would be 50% owned by Fiat Chrysler shareholders and 50% by Renault shareholders. The Guardian further noted that Renault said that it would study with interest Fiat's friendly proposal proposal of a merger. Fiat's proposal indicated that Renault's existing alliance with Japan's Nissan and Mitsubishi could continue and that the companies would benefit financially from the deal through extra savings. 
According to some sources, the merger, if successful, could also make a merger between two age-old car giants striving to compete with the new vehicle landscape. Those two companies are General Motors and Ford. In December of 1938, Washington Governor Clarence Martin and Lacey V. Murrow, the director of the Washington Toll Bridge Authority, broke ground on what would be the largest floating structure in the world, the Lake Washington Floating Bridge, also known as the Mercer Island Bridge between Seattle to the west and Bellevue, Washington to the east. According to the History Channel, at the time the bridge was built, it carried U.S. Route 10 across the lake and a few decades later, that highway became Interstate 90. The bridge was a Public Works Administration-financed project designed to make the towns across the lake from Seattle more accessible to suburban development. When the bridge opened in 1940, the Seattle Times called it the biggest thing afloat. It was almost two miles long, contained 100,000 tons of steel, floated on more than 20 hollow pontoons, and carried 5,000 cars every single day. And over the next 50 years, the load increased to 100,000 cars every day. But in 1990, while the bridge was closed for repairs, holes for construction were punched in the pontoon that kept it afloat. However, the task that was underway was slated to take quite a while, and the workers shut down for the weekend. But Seattle weather took a turn, and churned up a few days of rain and high winds over that weekend. The pontoons filled with water, and subsequently, the biggest thing afloat broke apart and sank to the bottom of Lake Washington, along with half a mile of Interstate 90. The entire structure needed to be rebuilt, and the project would end up taking three years to complete with a cost of $93 million. But 25 years ago, on September 12, 1993, the brand new structure and the first floating concrete bridge in the world, the Lacey V. Murrow Bridge, was opened, and one of the last remaining gaps in the interstate highway system was closed. Drivers could now travel directly from Boston to Seattle without ever leaving interstate. State 90. Confidence. It's a word often used to describe something you tell yourself before you go in for a job interview, or perhaps deliver a presentation, or even make a proposal of marriage. The famous musical sequence I Have Confidence from The Sound of Music belts out an attempt to instill confidence in self. And as we see consistently across the board throughout our culture, the theme of modern society is to be self-confident. On the stock market, many place their confidence in sayers and stocks, hoping resale value will climb and not plummet. But who can be certain about the future? This type of shaky confidence in ourselves or in things is not the biblical model for true confidence. True confidence is grounded firmly in our unchanging God. Philippians 4 reminds us that we are to worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. 
We see that the Apostle Paul's spiritual confidence was not founded in the inconsistencies of humanity, money, or self. Rather, he placed his confidence in the unwavering truths of God, his word, and his promises. We've talked about enduring trials and suffering here on the program, and Paul sets the example when, whether his anguish was temporal or permanent in his life here on earth, he still believed, preached, and lived out the fact that in Christ alone, his hope was found. Paul was also confident that those made righteous by Christ would be delivered from their temporal trials, delivered in ways that, without a redeemed sense of priorities, might not make sense. We read that in Romans 8, Paul was unashamedly confident that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. These examples of true confidence, unbreakable, steadfast certainty in the immovable and unshakable God of the universe are to be our example in times of trial and times of plenty in this life. Paul also knew that which is written in God's word is worthy of all confidence and certainty. He knew that the prayers of the believers can accomplish much as we see in Romans 15 when he asked others to pray for him. This is not a confidence placed on a shaky system, some time of incantation and incense offered to a fickle god who may or may not hear. This is the absolute confidence in God and in his word that he is who he says he is and that he does what he says he will do. Paul was also confident that the Holy Spirit would supply all that was necessary to him despite enduring times of trial and tribulation. Like Paul, we as followers of Jesus Christ too can have that very same surety. For as we read in Romans 8, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Paul demonstrated to us an admirable confidence in what really matters in this life. His example also modeled how we should take the promises of Christ in his word. So often we read a promise made by Christ in no uncertain terms in his word and then turn and quite literally freak out about our circumstances, throwing the knowledge of him and the application of his word to the wind. But Paul was absolutely sure that our Savior, Jesus, never ever leaves us, his children, no matter how dire, no matter how urgent or dismal their situations may be. Once our priorities are aligned with Christ, we will know beyond a doubt that he will hold us fast. For as we read in John 10, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give eternal life to them and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. That is what truly matters in life and that is a promise from our loving Lord. Don't place your confidence in man, money, things, or even a false god of prosperity that is even taught in many so-called churches today. Paul's confidence and joy in spite of even possible death was reflected in his famous cry, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. For death on this earth frees the believer from the burdens here and lets us glorify Christ forever in eternity. 
May we as Paul hold this earth loosely, rely only on the promises and provisions found in the living word of God, and just like Paul, take ultimate joy in Christ, whatever may pass, and whatever lies before us, knowing that he is the same yesterday and today, yes, and forever. Bills have no way, tears lose their Thanks for listening to Outlook in Review. Contact us anytime with questions or comments. We'd always love to hear from you. We're on Twitter at Outlook in Review and Facebook.com forward slash Outlook in Review, where you can find information to various topics we cover on the show. Until next time from Thousand Oaks, California, I'm Ben Ditzel. This is Outlook in Review. Outlook in Review.